Good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another episode of the Fan Zone podcast. This time we are back again in the off season. It's episode 41. I can't quite believe what number we're up to already. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We do appreciate it. If you are watching us live, you are more than welcome to pop your comments on. Uh, and if you're watching back, then we hope you enjoy. But without further ado, we'll get started. Uh, we are, of course, joined by Aaron Wilbraham. Thank you very much for joining us, Aaron. We do appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us. No worries. It's massively appreciated. Um, and before we get, get into all of the good stuff, uh, just a, a thank you to our sponsors. Uh, some of you might be aware, some of you might not. There are a, a couple that have come on board, uh, so thank you to all of those. Obviously, Eco Warm Windows there at the top, you can see, is our headline sponsor for the upcoming season. So a massive shout-out to you and all of the other sponsors, which you can find over on our brand-new website. So it's not just not just the club launching new Ooh. things. We're, we're hot on their tail. Uh, so, yeah, go and check it out. Everything is over on our website. It's www.thefanzonepod.co.uk, uh, and everything is over there. So without further ado, we'll get started. Uh we ask a question to all of our guests um, to start off with, just sort of break the ice a little bit, and it's the same one. We've had some uh, interesting choices, uh, but imagine you were waking up on a on a Saturday morning and you're fancying a full English, Aaron. What goes on your plate? So what, meat, veg, egg, toast, you name it, what's on your plate? Yeah, I'm, probably, I'm probably pretty standard to everyone else, to be fair. I have... Bacon, sausages, fried eggs, beans, hash browns, mushrooms. I know Weeks didn't want any mushrooms or tomatoes on his breakfast when he had him But I always start off with, yeah, with a toast. I'll always make a sandwich first. So I'll make like a bacon egg butty, leave the rest of it sat there, have a couple of butties and then get stuck into whatever's left after that, really. But yeah. So like a bit of a like a bit of a chaser before you start. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do. I do that with McDonald's actually. I buy che- I buy a cheeseburger and then I'll have my like Big Mac after. So it's a similar <laughs> type of thing, isn't it? Yeah, but no, like, and I'm, I'm kind of sometimes I fancy ketchup, sometimes I fancy brown sauce. I switch Ooh. it up a little bit. Not, oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what sort of eggs are we uh, are we cooking on? What, what what's yeah. your egg of choice? Mrs. loves a fried egg, and because she's usually one cooking it, she gets the. I I don't mind scrambled with a full English as well. Don't mind poached. I like all types of eggs. To be fair, representing the pork. I'm quite partial to boiled eggs during the week with sausages dipped in instead of bread. Don't mind that. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Well, it's it's a good lineup. It's it's certainly up there. Um. So we're going to introduce something a little new. Uh, we've got a, a quick fire questions segment. So these are pretty standard, you know, nothing too intense. Some quick fire questions uh, and Ange will be running through those. If you've got any more, uh, if you're watching along at home and you've got any that you quickly want to ask, any any quick, you know, one choice or the other questions, pop them in and we'll, we'll read them out. But Ange, you are more than welcome to, to fire away and kick us off. Take it away with the quick fire round. Um, okay, so Indian or Chinese? Chinese. Bath or shower? Oh, Ooh, good one. I grew up without a shower in my little council house, so I appreciate a shower now. There's <laughs> a nice, a nice long, like, a nice long bath. Is really good. So it's a difficult one, but I think after a shower, you always feel really fresh. So probably shower. Um, Corey Coronation Street. Oh, 
Jaeger or Sambuca? Definitely Jaeger. Sambuca is my nemesis. That can, <laughs> I think I had a bad experience when I was younger because I can't have it anymore. Honestly, even the smell of it, I just not, I can do, I don't like straight Jaeger to be honest, but I would take straight Jaeger over uh, Sambuca. Can mm. confirm, have done Jaeger bombs with you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the Bolton at the Bolton do, wasn't it? At the Bolton do, yeah. yeah. Um living up north or down south? Do you know what? Obviously north all the way, but I never fancied living in London. But I've got to say when I played for Palace and I lived down there for two years, I loved it. I was twenty minutes from central, going into central all the time, watching shows, going to all the nice restaurants, and I really enjoyed because I was in Beckenham, which is South London. Yeah. And it was quite a nice little suburban town, which had a nice high street coffee shops. But then you had central London 20 minutes away on the train. So it was dead easy. And I really, after dreading it all my life, because I just thought it'd be full of traffic and horrendous, I actually <laughs> enjoyed it down there. But obviously, being a northerner, it's got to be northerners, hasn't it? Oh, Absolutely. Um, home or away match? Do you know what Bristol City fans used to wind me up that I only ever scored away at the Northern Grounds? Because I literally, that season that we won the league, I literally scored at every away, like Bradford, Preston, Black. Like, I'd, honestly, I scored at nearly every away ground up north. So I quite, and I remember being at Hull City, Peter Taylor used to have a team that he'd play at home which was kind of like silky footballers. And then away from home, he'd just play like 11 Giants and just get the job done. And I was always in the away team. So probably I'm probably an away game player, to be, to be fair. Uh, Lofty the Lion or Desmond the Dragon? Oof. Lion. Lofty all day. Always. Oh, yeah. um, Messi or Ronaldo? Difficult one, this, because... I think obviously both unbelievable, but I just think Ronaldo. I don't. I don't like the way his career ended now, and he's gone a bit sulky uh, and stuff. Yeah. That, that put me off him a little bit. And I'm a City fan, not a United fan. Oh, it's a difficult one. I just think of like who I'd prefer in my team when they were both at the peak, and I think Ronaldo had everything in terms of the power, heading ability, strength. Obviously, Messi's a genius. It's a proper good argument in it, which everyone has in football. Mm -hmm. so probably say Ronaldo. And then the last one is playing or coaching. Definitely playing. Definitely playing. Well done. You survived. Yeah. Good questions. Sterling effort. Uh, we, we've had one in the chat. Um, <laughs> and uh, and Malk has asked, uh, do you use furniture polish or baby oil? <laughs> On my head. Yeah, <laughs> you need to make that a bit clearer. That then, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit of moisturiser. This was in the in the gym after the gym before, so yeah, a little bit of moisturiser. What the missus buys me, don't know what it is, but gets the head nice and shiny. Bang on! Uh, I don't think we've had many more, so uh, happy to to move on. Thanks for that. I've, 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 got, I've, I've got to I've got to ask him about oh, the Messi on. Ronaldo thing. I'm sorry because like yeah. I'm well on side with the Messi side of the argument, and the reason for that is. For me, Lionel Messi is a natural footballer. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Cristiano Ronaldo is, of course, a natural footballer, but he's had to work so hard to get to where he is. Whereas Lionel Messi, you can probably watch videos from when he was like 10 years old and he plays exactly the same way. Obviously, as a coach, which of course you, you've been recently, does that not like sway in your argument in terms of their abilities? In a way, but what 
what you're saying there is Ronaldo's been so dedicated to get to that stage. So it's you admire that, that he yeah. maybe didn't have the natural ability of Messi and he's worked hard to get it. So you've got to appreciate how hard yeah. and everyone who speaks about Ronaldo when he was at United speaks about how much he did used to stay out and practice. And yeah. I just think, at, at the, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a really good argument and I, I love Messi as well. I went to watch Man City against PSG when they had Messi, Mbappe and Neymar mm. and I didn't think all three of them did much, to be honest. I was a bit disappointed on the night, watching them live and really looking forward to it. And that was my one time that I saw Messi live. So I wasn't really impressed when I saw him live, but they're both obviously geniuses in, in the day, both of them. You couldn't, it's a tough argument, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I couldn't really choose. One of them's won a World Cup, though, aren't they? So, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, I was brilliant for him when he got to be fair. We've had another one on the chat. Uh, and Liam has asked, are there more wheels or doors in the world? God, wheels or doors? This. I've heard this before. Yeah, oh, mate, it's come around so many times, this. But it's a never-ending argument. I'm going to say wheels. They're on everything, aren't they? On the bottom of, even on the bottom of computer desks and tables. And, yeah, I'm going to say wheels. But let's just leave that there. because it's, Yeah, it's part of that. <laughs> part of them wheels. Should we should we get into the the seat? Well, not too serious stuff, but the footballing stuff. Then we've uh, got a few bits lined up for you in terms of questions for you, mate. So um, starting off, so we're going back to what two thousand. So you're at Stockport. You're twenty year old, um, and we have a loan out to Norway, which yeah. just sort of jumps off the page a little bit in terms of your career. It's like, where does that come from? So what was it like? What where did it how did it all come about and how did you deal with it at such a young age? Because obviously you, you you've been at you've been at Stockport for a while. Yeah. What happened yeah, there? Went, how did it come about? So I went to Stockport straight from school at 16. Um, right. did a year in the youth team and then they signed me pro and I made I made my debut uh in the 97-98 season against Manchester City, which was a mad feeling for me because I still had a season ticket there. I had to give mm -hmm. it to my mum while I went and played on the pitch against, <laughs> against the players that I cheered on home and away every week. So it was the maddest feeling ever because I usually waiting outside for autographs and I was like driving into the players' entrance bit on the wow. coach and stuff. So it was mad at Main Road. And um, it was actually Sean Goater's debut and he scored after, He scored in the fifth minute and straight from the kickoff, I scored in the sixth minute and the yeah. whole of Main Road went from singing Blue Moon, which I was nearly joining in with. And then I, <laughs> I, scored, a, I scored a volley and kind of silenced it and you heard about a thousand Stockport fans at the other end of the stadium jumping about. And I think it was like 32,000 there on the day. So it was just an unbelievable debut. And then as, as what happens with a lot of youngsters, burst onto the scene, the following season had a little bit of a dip yeah. Under Gary Megson was manager with Mike Phelan as assistant. And then Gary Megson left and Andy Kilner took over, who a lot of you won't have heard of. But I don't know if he had anything to do with Bolton, actually, but he played in Scandinavia as a player. So he had that Scandinavian ah, link. Right. He, he came up from like the academy at Stockport as under-16s manager and got the first-team job. And uh, in that kind of first season... I broke my toe towards the end of the season. And just as I got back fit for the last game against Nottingham Forest, funny enough, Forest, like, and it was it was 3-2 as well, but this time to Forest. Um, I scored two goals. 
And it was kind of like the season ended and I was just getting back from a broken toe. And we wanted a, a Finnish player called Jarko Viss from uh, Norway, from a team called Moss FK. Stockport yeah. went to sign him. And uh, Moss FK said to Stockport, if you give us two players on loan during the summer, because their season starts in kind of May, yeah, we'll we'll like knock three hundred grand off the price tag or something like that. So, me and Kent Bergerson, who was a Norwegian lad, went over to Norway for it was meant to be three months, and I just got told I was getting two hundred quid a week more than I was on tax free, three bedroom apartment, a car. So I was just a young lad thinking, "Oh, you're old, yeah, you're having that <laughs> old there, <laughs> To be honest, I went over there. It was Norwegian Premier League, so it was against Rosenberg and some good teams playing mm. in the national stadium, like Volringer, Trumps, and some good teams. And I, I did go over there being a little bit thinking it was going to be easy, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was like double sessions every day. The standard was really good, and it was a bit of a wake-up. But definitely doing all that training and games. By the time I got called, Stockport called me back in the end of August, September, because they sold Alan Armstrong to Middlesbrough. Right, yeah. So I had two months out there, really enjoyed it. But when I, I got called back to Stockport early, ended up scoring 12 goals in the Championship and got like player of the year, top goal scorer, players player. And everybody said it was that spell in Norway what did me good. So it was, and, a really, yeah. it was a really good experience. And um, I, I really look back at it and I still speak to a couple of people from who I met over there and stuff. And no, it was good. It was a good experience. I didn't learn much of the language, the swear words. I was going to say, did you struggle with the language at all? <laughs> yeah, they all. Everybody speaks English, so it was really easy, and everyone was dead welcoming. It was. I remember it being about nine quid for a pint, so I was a bit shy as a young lad when everyone was going to. I used all the older lads used to buy me drinks and that when we went out of them, but they loved the night out over there and stuff. And yeah, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I look, I look back at it and really enjoyed it. Nine quid a pint 23 years ago. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really, I think it's known for being quite expensive for alcohol and stuff. But no, it was, no, I really enjoyed it. And, but that's how it come about. I think the, the manager's Scandinavian links and obviously mm. wanting this player. And we did sign Yarko. So when we came back, obviously we met Yarko and everything. He ended up being the captain at Stockport. He played for the Finland national team. But yeah, he's a good player. He would have probably played with Jussi Askelainen, I would imagine. I'll just yeah, he probably would have, yeah. yeah. Obviously, you didn't... Uh, this isn't a question, this is just me thinking on my feet, but you didn't um, go to any foreign clubs after that, did you? So, did it ever no. crop up that you were going to go abroad again or did that ever materialise? Not really, no. I mean, I think once I had my daughter, I think I was 26, 27 when I had my daughter, I didn't... You don't really want to do it then. Once you've got kids, you want them to be settled, you've got grandparents helping you out with stuff so it never interested me to be honest and obviously no. everybody wants to play in England and you're playing over here so why would you want to move I think a lot of people end up going abroad when they're struggling to get something in England or yeah. they're fed up or yeah. they just want to change your lifestyle and stuff so no it never interested me after that to be fair but as, as a coach if, if somebody in Saudi Arabia give you a rank, ring I'm sure you'd uh, change your mind <laughs> definitely the money with well, the money yeah. they're throwing about, yeah. Yeah. Every day now, isn't it? It's unbelievable. That's what was yeah. it today? Was it um Mares today, wasn't it? Who's gone was over there? Mares. Mares. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty great today. Mental. Yeah. Uh, the money they're talking about. I'm gonna have to ever reach it. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Yeah. That's shocking that. Yeah. Off completely yeah, off yeah. topic of this podcast, but that that yeah, I'm surprised at that. Yeah. 
I knew it was rumoured, but I didn't know it happened. Yeah. 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 Virtually done day um, In, what was it, 2007-2008 season, you were at MK Dons, is that right, Aaron, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, absolutely smashed it. Seven goals in the last 11 of your promotion season. Um, can you give us a bit of an insight into, like, the psychological benefits of, like, good form, in inverted commas? As a, as a, especially yeah, think, as a player in general. Yeah, no, I think as a striker, when you get on, um, you, you often see it with players when they when they get a couple of goals, they go on a little bit of a run. And I always, mm. I always did daft things. So I remember being at MK and the masser gave me a rub the day before I scored like the first goal. So then he, I made him do it every Friday then. And then one of our celebrations was me running over to the bench and him giving me a quick rub on the leg. And like, I used to kind of, it was the same. I admit, sorry, can, can you just, I, I, I must have switched off for a minute. You did what? Say that again. His Dogs. legs. His legs. Chris, right. his legs. I wasn't being vulgar. I just, I, no, I just no. switched off for a second and I lost the thread. Well, I, used to, I used to get a rub off the masseur and this particular <laughs> day, I must have made him give me a bit of a full body the day before the game. So I don't right. know, because I scored a couple the next game. I kept going back to him every Friday saying, oh, you're like a bit superstitious. You've got to do it again. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. I remember Carlisle away. I said, if I score today, I'm coming over to the bench and I'm going to lie down and you can pretend to be a rub like you. And he was like, oh, no. he was like, don't do it if it's 1-0 though, because what if it turns down? Anyway, I scored two. I waited till it was 2-0. So I ran over to the bench. He gave me a little rub on the calves. Like, mess, everyone was laughing. We ended up getting beat three two. <laughs> uh, he, was dead, he, was, he was dead nervous. He was dead nervous that the manager was going to have a go at him that kind of stuff. But he never got mentioned. I think it was Roberto Di Matteo at the time. But yeah, going back to the two thousand seven and eight season, obviously those kind of seven goals came around the Wembley final, the JPT. It was called at the time, like the Papa John's, the the F like whatever it's called now. But the um, they came around that final. So I was in good form going into Wembley and Paul Ince was the manager and I'll never forget that I expected to play. We went down to St Albans leading up to Wembley and trained down there for three days and I was absolutely on fire in training thinking there's no way I'm not starting. I was first choice anyway. And he went and played Kev Gallen. Uh, he was coming to the end of his career instead of me. But he didn't even come in the dressing room. Carl Robinson and Paul Ince stayed out the way and left it to Ray Matthias to read out the team. And me and Mark Wright, who were the two top goal scorers, yeah. had been left on the bench. And we just looked across at each other, fuming. But it was a bit... We'd, we'd already beat Grimsby twice that season and we were playing them in the final. I don't think we would have done it if we were up against... I think our rivals might have been like Peterborough that year or somebody. But it was the fact that they did it over sentiment and I was I was raging. I had 33 family like spread around Wembley and they're all looking at me in a warm-up like, how can we not play? And I was, it was my first first time I'd ever been to Wembley as well. So I wasn't sure if I'd get another chance to play there. And I was absolutely devastated. And he only brought me on for like 13 minutes as well. I thought he would have given me like half an hour, but he only brought me on for like 13 minutes. We won 2-0. We had a party back at the MK Stadium Everybody was buzzing, free bar, and Paul Ince was going round, like, meeting everyone's families. And I would, I just pied him all night. I was fuming with him. And I remember about one o'clock in the morning, he came over to me and was like, uh, you're at Albion? I was like, yeah. And he, he knew I was, like, pissed off. And he was, oh, like, yeah, yeah. he was like, listen, I know you're disappointed, but big game next Friday. And I was like, what, Lincoln away? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, compared to Wembley, like, <laughs> like, 
He was like, no, but you'll be playing as, he was like, you'll be playing is what I'm saying. And, and to be fair, I went and scored three and three the next three games. So I didn't sulk. I did just get on with it. But it was just the fact that I can't believe he did that to me. And mm. luckily, I got to play at Wembley another two times. I played the full 120 minutes there for the playoff final for Palace. And I played 90 minutes there for Bristol City. So I've had like three times at Wembley and won all three, which is nice to never have had to walk up the loser's steps. But I got my own back on Paulins years later. I don't know if you've heard this, but I was at uh, Crystal Palace with his son, Tom Ince. Yeah. And Tom Ince had come to Palace on loan as a bit of a stepping stone to get a big move. There was rumours of Inter Milan and stuff. And I remember going to Newcastle away and a load of us, Tony Pulis used to take the whole 25-man squad. So you'd get seven lads sat in the stand with absolute head loss. And... Um, I was sat next to Tom Ince. He was one of the lads left out, so was I. And I seen his, I seen it ringing on his phone saying, Dad. So he answered it. He's like, I had Dad. He's like, oh, how come you're not on the bench? How come you're not? You should be starting. I could hear him going on. So I grabbed the phone off him. I was like, all right, Gaffer, it's Albie. He was like, I said, it's a bit like when you dropped me at Wembley, Gaffer. It happened, <laughs> wasn't it? He like, He's still holding that against me, Albie. He's still holding that against me. And I was just like, oh, just winding up because I could hear how angry he was. Tom was. Like, That's how all my family felt that day at Wembley. Um, but no, it was, I got him back a little bit with that. But no, I think I'm waffling on it. Sorry, lads. No, no, <laughs> waffle away, mate. Um, I was going to ask. Uh, I was going to ask you a question. Sorry, before I forget, yeah. you can elaborate. Sorry, I apologise for interrupting you. But 2007-2008, am I right in saying that would have been when the new Wembley? And it yeah. just opened. And it just yeah, opened. Or, it, yeah. it would have been fairly recent, I think. Yeah, but yeah, that was the new Wembley. So. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. look like, like I say, to get promoted to the Premier League with Palace, played a full 120 minutes, that was unbelievable yeah. feeling. Uh-huh. So, but at the time, I didn't know that. So, I was, it was my first chance. I was devastated. But, yeah, it is what it is. And to be fair, he's looking at Kev Gallon, 36. Matt, he might, I don't remember if it was his first time playing there or his last chance that he could have played there. So, and he took the gamble with it being Grimsby because we'd already beat him twice and we did win 1 2 0. So, and it kept me hungry, kept scoring after it. So I suppose he did his job well as a manager when you look back at it. But no, nah, that was, yeah, I think it's important having good form, especially as a striker. If you get on that bit of a run, so you see strikers yeah. go on them, them kind of runs. It's bad when it goes the other way and you don't score for a few games, but you just got to keep believing getting in there. There's a common theme here because there's a rumour knocking about that our, our current manager, Mr. Everett, is not a massive fan of Paul Ince either. So I think you're not on your own. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a rumour, isn't it, that? I'm just just saying it might be a rumour. That's all I'm saying. Just staying on that theme of kind of sports psychology and how important it is, um, you played a game on loan for Norwich the day before you properly signed for them, didn't you? Um, So how how kind of do you cope with that stressful situation? Was it stressful or was it for you? Was it, you seem quite headstrong. Yeah, I think... To be to be fair, because it is quite strange to see that, and when people, when it, even when I look on my Wikipedia and it says loan, it was, I think it was just the way they needed to do it with the way the transfer was. That I couldn't sign permanently until the next day, but to be able to play in that first game, they had to do it as a loan. So I'd already signed permanently, even though the, so I wasn't. It wasn't like a trial game where I had to do well or they might not sign me. It was already pre-signed. But I think they probably changed it now so that those type of things don't have to happen. But I think it was just the date that I signed on 
they couldn't do a permanent for that date, so they had to do a one-day loan, then go into permanent. It was a bit strange, but yeah, I remember my debut. We, we beat QPR one 0 and then obviously I didn't. I, but I did know I was. Uh, I actually trained with the team before I signed, and Paul Lambert, the manager, was saying like, "Don't worry, if you break your leg, you'll still sign." I was a bit wary about training before I'd actually signed anything because if I would have got injured you never know what can happen but yeah he kept kept to his word I was fine and managed to uh, start to get start off with a win good stuff yeah. brilliant so moving on from that then you in where, where, where are we um, you made your Premier League debut at Goodison uh, for Norwich as a sub I believe is that right yeah you came yeah. as a sub um, talk us through that feeling obviously an introduction to the Premier League you spoke about the promotion with Palace and what have you but playing in the Premier League at Goodison Park talk us through that how did it feel? Yeah I think going back to the Championship season when I signed for Norwich I had a, ended up having a back operation in March so for the rest of the season I was a spectator and I think the club knowing I had a back operation at 31 going into that summer I was probably fifth choice striker and then I went to about eighth choice striker with the signings that they made so I knew I had to work hard all summer to even have a sniff of being involved in that Premier yeah. League squad and I came back really strong really fit pre-season I think I scored eight goals pre-season so Paul Lambert couldn't really ignore me mm. other lads ended up getting sent out on loan and I got kept in the fold so I thought I've got a chance of playing in the Premier at 31 when I've never done it before so worked really hard stayed in and around it and I think I'd been on the bench for a, a good few games before the Everton one and just thinking, please let me have a game in the Prem. And um, I remember coming on at Goodison, I was just so excited to just to say you played in the Premier League. I mean, yeah. not many lads get to do it. And But my first job, I came on for a corner against and I had to mark Fellaini. That was what the first thing I had to do. <laughs> and he's like... Six foot five, and then he's got his hair. Which <laughs> makes sense. What was his hair like at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, had, he had the big, massive. And honestly, I stood next to him, and I'm I'm six foot four, and I don't get worried about marking people. No. But he was massive, and I just remember just the ball was coming in from over there, and I was just grabbing him, and he just kept punching my arm, saying, "Fucking look at the ball!" Fucking, and he was like, he was going mad at me. Because I just was, I was thinking, I can't come on from a Premier League debut and let you score straight away, mate. So I'm gripping yeah, you up and breaking yeah. your head on this. Yeah. Much, I probably could have got like give away a penalty the way I was grabbing it, but I just had to make sure that corner got cleared. So, but he kept punching my arms away every time I held on to him. And I was thinking, you are massive, and he is, he's a problem, he's effective in, in the air. And yeah. he was to get told I'm doing that as soon as was I was already nervous about making a Premier League debut and I had mean, to uh, contend with as well, but now I got through it. You'd have been it sounds like you'd have been knackered with VAR these days with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was firm but fair. I don't think they would have given anything for it. It was a bit of 50-50, but I just had to make sure he didn't score and that happens. So you got that's I mean, obviously it's not in the EFL and you've not to obviously been involved in that one of thought. Um, you correct me if I'm wrong, but like, what are your thoughts on VAR as a as a as a ex-pro mm. current coach? Yeah, I'm not I'm not keen on it. I've been to games where you wait. I just don't <laughs> like the way that fans have to wait to celebrate, yeah. or we can celebrate and then get made to look stupid like a yeah. minute later because I got I just because it used to be 
talking points on the way in from games about, oh, was it offside or... Yeah. And I think it used to even itself out. So yeah. I don't mind yeah. I don't mind the goal line technology. I think that's good. Yeah. I've, I've scored goals myself where it's been over the line and I've been given and it's frustrating. So a quick buzz in the referee's arm. The mm. fans are still celebrating if the lad runs off with his arm in the air. It doesn't really affect anything. But I think the fact that they've got it wrong so many times as well, it's just frustrating. I think it just ruins it for supporters that apprehensive of not knowing whether you can celebrate or not and I'm to wait mm. for, the, for the decision. I think it's just a bit, I don't like it. I'm not having it. As a fan, I, I, I've been a ball fan, obviously we don't have it in, in the yeah. League One, but I went to an England game um, and obviously the internationals have VAR, but it's like you don't even realise that the, it's in the game because everything's so, the, the foreign referees quite clearly have got a better run at it than yeah. the English referees. Like, and you yeah. see it in the Champions League as well. Like you, I mean, I can't, I've never been to a live game, but when you're watching on television, you wouldn't even ordinarily know that it's a thing. Do you get what I mean? It must no. be the English. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think they can, they can definitely do it better and make it quicker and more effective and more precise because they, they shouldn't be getting it wrong when they've got all that technology and they still mm. do. And that's when it becomes a bit of a laughing stock because it's that's when it becomes a bit embarrassing. But yeah, I think they're only trying to do things right and do things fair, but sometimes things have been given when they shouldn't have been, even with VAR, so then it's then it's a problem. Ironic, isn't it, that it tends to fall over and become controversial when there's a human involved. Well, so, yeah. so, so goal-line technology is cut and dry, yeah. isn't it? It either is or it yeah. isn't. Whereas yeah. marginal decisions, even with the technology, there's intervention by a panel. Still someone's yeah. opinion. Happened, is it? With that in mind, it's not worth having, then, is it? Yeah, exactly. Digress, then. Just speaking on the referee and the VAR sort of dilemma, uh, Liam's just asked, uh, why don't more footballers become referees after their playing career? Is there just not enough money in it? Um, and is if that is the case, does that suggest that referees aren't actually paid enough? Yeah, I, I think they should be. I've spoke about this myself. Um, I think they'd probably get a little bit more respect off the players as well because they played the game. Mm. Players, I think, because I think I think sometimes the players' frustration comes from the fact that a lot of the referees haven't played the game, yeah. so they don't know what they're talking about. They don't yeah. know how it feels to be in that moment. I've I've just been at Shrewsbury for two and a half years as assistant manager, and there was a coach who coached with me and he'd get really, he'd take it really personally. Say we were reffing a five-a-side in training and the lads were in the zone and he made a decision on the side and one of the lads told him to fuck off. He, he'd take it like really personal, mm. but he'd never, he'd never played the game. He'd always coached. Whereas I, because I played the game, I know what it's like to be in that moment when you lose your head over a ball being over the line or someone taking more touches than what you were allowed in training and stuff. So I it used to be water off a duck's back to me. If one of the lads are oh, fuck off, I'll be added yeah, like, yeah. on with it. Whereas the other coach used to take it like, why disrespect to me? I was like, oh, they're just in the zone. And I think this is what I'm talking about with referees. Mm. Sometimes if it was an ex footballer, the player would probably, well, yeah, he's been there and done it. And he'd have that little bit more respect, maybe. Not that he shouldn't respect the referees anyway. I'm not saying that. I just think it is a good idea for footballers to get involved because I think they'd, they'd be good at it because they've been in the game. Mm. But also they'd get more respect. But maybe, I'm not sure what referees earn. I, I wouldn't know the money side of it, but maybe it is down to that. I'm not sure. 
Interesting. Good Interesting. question. I think Liam's just, Liam, who asked that question, has followed it up with, with a really relevant point, linking back to Bolton and the fact that Mark Elsie used to used to train with the team and what kind of yeah. you know, the forward thinking involved with that process. But it, yeah. as you say, it's never really gone anywhere, has it? You get it in rugby, etc., where there's yeah. there's a clear line of respect. I, yeah. I know I'm going off topic, and because I don't, I, I as you know, I don't follow rugby but I know that much that it seems to be the etiquette and the respect to the officials is better and that stems from yeah definitely yeah yeah no, I think I think sometimes with referees as well if they can if they can talk to the players on the pitch I know they haven't, they haven't got to stay like stand there forever explaining mm. every decision but the worst thing for a player on the pitch is when you try and speak to the ref and he just deaf ears you or walks off. That that escalates everything. You get more wound up. It, then you're on him for the rest of the game because you think he's being arrogant. And it's and some sometimes the way they speak to you on the pitch, like the refs like swear at you and stuff, it can be quite bad on the pitch. And that's when there's no communication, there's a breakdown, and that's when it's just gonna lead to really other so they give you full yeah. on, full on yeah. swear. Without obviously naming names, we're not going to throw yeah. anybody under the bus. But are you, are you able to give us an example? Yeah. So, well, last season uh, when I was at Shrewsbury, one of the players ran over to the bench fuming because he'd been moaning at the referee and getting on mm. him a little bit because he'd give a few bad decisions. And then one of our lads messed up for a goal and ended up like on the floor, like a centre half. Yeah. And the other team scored and the referee like ran past and was like, ha, that's your fault. You're shit or something to the player. And so the, the, the lad got up and you see in his reaction and he ran over to the bench and he was like, he's just, he's just laughed in the face and said, I'm shit. He's, and he was going to the fourth official. He, and like, and obviously the game was going on. They were about to kick off still. And it was like, Surely he's not done that, but you could tell no. by the lad's reaction that it had happened. I mean, it was like never seen anything like that. But there is stuff that goes on where it can be, and don't get me wrong, like refs get a lot of stick off players as well. Yeah. I've seen and get spoke to quite badly, but yeah, that happened last season at Shrewsbury. It was quite <laughs> strange. Yeah. So um, promotion from all three divisions, the football league. You scored at all four levels. At the football league, two promotions, and uh, in three years with Crystal Palace and Norwich. Um, during that time period, can you think of um, a specific player that kind of like stood out to you, uh, or, or a player that kind of went on to better things that you kind of knew that were going to be the case? Yeah, I think. Well, you play Will Sahar. Sahar yeah. yeah, Will Sahar was always unbelievable at Palace, and obviously, he, I think he got his move. United while I was there or just after I left I can't remember but and obviously he's kicked he ended up back at Palace and stuff and he's done really well but no I I actually got invited to the the chairman at Palace to be fair to him he organized a 10-year reunion because it was 10 years this summer since we got since that playoff final 2013 it was so yeah. we invited everyone to a place uh, like a bar in Chelsea in May and all the old team got together, which was really good of him. I thought that for a club to yeah. recognise that and get because it's been ten years. And I think he he did a speech to the chairman, and I might be wrong on the exact numbers, but I think he said 
only nine teams have got promoted and stayed up for over 10 years. And I think only six have stayed up 11 years and then I think it was like three have stayed up 12 years so he was saying like he hopes that Palace stay up for another two years at least just to keep that kind of record going but it was I thought it was good of him to recognise that squad because we were second favourites to go down to the League One that year we had a pretty like a bunch of misfits really and we ended up getting promoted so it was a great story really but yeah that, that was that was good and obviously Wilf Wilf like single-handedly carried us through the playoffs, to be fair to him. So Will I, seem to remember, I seem to remember again that he played, I think it was, you're obviously not better than me, but did he play, did you play Brighton in the playoff? In the yeah, playoffs? in the, the semi-final second leg. Like, yeah, Brighton as well, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was it. I'm yeah, so it was nil-nil in the first leg. Um, and then he scored two, and, and Brighton had beat us 4-0 in the league there that season. And there's quite a big rivalry between Brighton yeah, yeah. and Palace. And they'd, they'd thrown bricks at the coach window and all sorts. So we went back there with a bit of a point to prove. And yeah, Wolf scored two that day. And then we had a long break before the playoff uh, finals. Like, I think it was like 15 days then you've got to prepare. And we had Watford and obviously beaten 1-0 in extra time. So yeah, that was a that was a great feeling. But yeah, no, that them, the two promotions with Palace and Norwich to the Premier League were unbelievable. Obviously, get to 31 don't think you're going to ever get the chance to play in the Prem and then to do it twice in three years was mad. Um, and But obviously, I think that winning the league, winning League Two of MK Dons, winning the league's always nice. Yeah. I won League One, won League One with Bristol City, scored 21 goals, was captain, so I felt a massive part of that as well. That was probably my favourite because I felt so involved in it. I actually got promoted of Hull to the champ as well from League One with Hull City back in 2004. So, yeah, I had five promotions, and it was it's good to be it's good to be a part of winning squads. When yeah. when you do something with a squad, you always remember each other. Like you always have that camaraderie for them. I've still got group chats with the Bristol City lads from 2014-15 season, and we still go away together in the summer and stuff like that. So I think it's class when when you are. Uh, when you when you win things, I I always wind I was winding the lads up at Shrewsbury last year that I had I had eight clubs. I got promoted with five of them. It's a good stat. This I got promoted with five of them, and the three I didn't get promoted with got relegated the season after I left them. Bolton being one of them. Rochdale <laughs> <laughs> and Stockport. So I'm not I'm not saying I was the glue in the dressing room. <laughs> but you were the glue oh, in the dressing room. Good stat, isn't it? It's not it's not That's a lie. Yeah. Speaking speaking of Bolton links, I think uh, Steve Parrish, who's obviously the chairman that you had at Palace, yeah. Yeah. one of the clubs that he was talking about that stayed up longer than ten years and eleven and twelve years will be is it twelve years or will be Bolton? One of them will right. be, be us. Right, that's we, got, yeah. we got promoted in two thousand and one and got relegated yeah. in two thousand and twelve, was it or oh, eleven twelve right. season? So yeah, we'll be yeah, one of them. Clubs one of them yeah. yeah. Oh, that's also, sorry, Chris. You yeah, played right, with Bolton, a Bolton-related thing as well. You'd have played with um, Andre Moretz, wouldn't you, at Palace? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. What he was he, he like? came to the reunion. He came to the reunion last month. I saw he it, was it on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he came over from Brazil. Yeah, he's, he's a great lad. To be fair, uh, in London when we went out in May, after it finished about one a.m., 
I always want to carry the night on. Me and, and Mila Jedinak ended up going into central London till about four or five in the morning, dragging the girls with us. So my missus was fuming. But yeah, he's a, he's a good he's a good lad, Andre. He, li- he likes the party. Like he's a he's a good lad. But Proper really Brazilian, lad, yeah. Pardon? Proper Brazilian, then, yeah. Yeah, proper Brazilian, yeah. Good lad. So you've just briefly touched on your time at Bristol City, um, Aaron, and obviously you had a great time there and proper hit the ground running when you joined. Um, was it something like that you changed? Or I know that footballers often talk about this switch that just flicks and, and things tend to knit together. Or just talk us about through that time at Bristol City. Yeah, I think what it was from eight from 18 to 30 I probably floated through my career not realizing what was there if I put 100% effort in and as I got older as I got to 29 30 I started looking after myself better eating better food and doing all the doing all the right things the gym and I looked after myself better and I actually had a better career 31 to 40 than I did 18 to 31 which never usually happens I earned better money played at better levels and I think having a taste of Norwich for two years and Palace for two years that summer that I got released by Palace although I was 34 I thought I'm enjoying this last four or five years that I've had I'm gonna work so hard through the summer to keep it going and I actually paid one of the Palace fitness coaches to work with me all summer. So I had like the best off season, built up my legs, really got strong and everything. And I knew wherever I was going to go that season, I'd, I was in good condition. And I think having not played a lot in that last season for Palace, I was I'd preserved my body. I was ready to go. And I think Steve Cottrell taking a chance on me. All the fans at Bristol were moaning like, oh, why have we signed a 34-year-old when we want to get promoted back to the championship? But I knew I was ready and I knew I'd have a good season if I played the games. And I think it was just that hunger to stay at a good level, keep earning good money, which I'd not done in the early years. I'm thinking, because you all players always look back and go, oh, if I would have known that at the start of my career. And I always say when I'm, when I'm trying to give advice to youngsters now, I get frustrated because they, they don't know the difference between where they're at and where they can get if they just apply themselves a bit better. And I think... It was just my hunger to stay doing well because I'd had a taste of what it was like to be on in better training facilities, playing with better players in better leagues, in better stadiums, on better money. So it was just my hunger really to stay at that level. That Because I, like I say, I only signed a one-year contract as well. So I had to earn another year and I, I did that for three years on the bounce at Bristol. So that's all it was, I think. Speaking about um, offering youngsters advice, we've... We've again off off topic question, but we've just been uh, linked, not linked, but we're given a trial to a young Luke Matheson. Um, right. Obviously, you played with him at, at Rochdale when yeah. he was a sixteen year old. What what can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, great great lad, really really good lad, uh, family person. He got I played him when he was doing his GCSEs, ah. um, and he came. I think he got like nine A stars or something. So he's a really bright lad. Uh, he's he's quick. We actually played against him for Wolves under 21s or under 23s while while I've been at Shrewsbury and he looked like he'd filled out and got himself strong because because he was quite small. Teams used to target him a little bit with diagonals being a fullback. So he's like worked on that to use his body more and he looked really strong and he looked looked good. 
but yeah, he's a, he's a good player. I didn't realise he was having a trial. So that's yeah, that's he was. Good. He, he played in the the B team last night. Um, yeah, it's quite successfully from what we understand as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know the way we play these days: expansive wing backs, pra- yeah. right wing but yeah. left wing back practically being wingers. Can you see him yeah. fitting into into the style? Definitely, definitely. I think he's similar. You, who's the lad that you had on loan from Fulham? Um, Fossey. Yeah, similar kind of attributes to him, really. I'm not sure what you thought of him, but if I think of it, yeah. I Can he do Luke, a backflip? Yeah, I'm not sure he'd have a go. But now Luke, <laughs> he's, a, he's a Manchester lad as well. Because when yeah. we used to train at Platt, Platt Lane uh, for Rochdale in Moss Side, and I know he used to walk to the training ground like that. He's from Fallowfield, isn't he? Yeah, from Fallowfield. So, yeah, I know he's a local lad. He's not, he won't be far from him and stuff. So, yeah, I think he definitely fit. He's very quick as well. Good cross to the ball. He made, he made a big thing of it at Rochdale when I scored against Newcastle in the FA Cup because I was 40 and Luke was 16. It's like mm-hmm. a 16-year-old assisting a 40-year-old. So, he made a big thing about that after the game. But no, he's, a, he's a great lad, Luke, and he's... Mum and dad used to follow him everywhere and he's a really, really good lad. So I hope that works out for him. Yeah, fingers crossed. Because I think Wolves spent a million quid on him as well, something daft, yeah. didn't they? So obviously yeah. must have some something about him, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. And that leads us on quite nicely into obviously your time at Bolton, which started in 2017. Um, so your first goal against Sheffield Wednesday to secure yeah. a draw. And then your second one, I think you might have spoke about it a few times. <laughs> I don't know, I could be wrong. Um, but obviously on the 6th of May 2018, the Macron Stadium exploded, according to Jack yeah. Um It's yeah. it's mad. It's mad. I, I'm going to go off topic here now because I had a, from a personal perspective, I, 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 did, I lived abroad and lost my touch with the with the club and the first game that me and my lad went back to that reignited yeah. it and we've never looked back since was that day so yeah cheers to that nice one they yeah. were all right that. so um but just looking at that obviously it cemented you as a as a cult figure at Bolton yeah um, difficult times at Bolton as well obviously with various bits yeah. involved Talk to us about it. What? How did you find your time at, at, at Bolton? Yeah, no. Well, while we're on that note, I'll just show you what I've got in my little bar here because I've seen that one of your sponsors is Bolton Gin, so we might as well give them a little shout out. Oh, nice. They actually give me a little... We're going on tour. Yeah, give me a little Bolton Gin. Ah. Uh, and then I've got... Yes. I've been bought these kind of things where it's got the full... Goal from yeah, what yeah. happened on the day. Nice. I've got that one on that side, and I've got another one on that side. If you can see it, all right. There. See one, yeah, yeah, yeah. See it clear, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, that's obviously it's a massive, memorable goal for me. Probably the best goal I scored in terms of like occasion, and just I mean, it won't it won't a bad header as well, like, but yeah, it was just. <laughs> It was just, I think it was just a build up to like me not really being involved. And because we struggled that season, I mean, I mean, I know when Weeks was on air, he said, Oh, we missed about 10 chances that day. 
he didn't he didn't mention he gave away 10 chances every game no weeks is a good lad but and he probably doesn't get enough credit for the equaliser that he got to be fair no, to him. But, massive goal. Um, it was just, it was so random of like Phil Parkinson to start me. Like I was not expecting it because after I scored at Chef Wednesday, I think he started me at Derby, uh, whipped me off at half time, which was fuming about. And then I think we played Burton away that, and yeah. I was expecting to play because all the fans were crying out for two up front. That's right. And he yeah. stuck with the one up front. And I remember warming up at half time and the fans were going mad because I think we were one or two no down at half time. And there was fans actually running on the pitch saying to me, like, why are you why are you not on? Why has he not gone to up front? And I was like, I don't know, mate. Like, <laughs> and everyone the fans were like beaming and running on the pitch. And then that that week, it was just like it was like a morgue that week in training. Everyone was just so down because it was like we were relegated. Yeah. And then the like the gaffer, to be fair to him, was trying to keep spirits up going. Listen, lads, whoever plays at the weekend, you get you've got a chance to save everybody's jobs, the catering staff, the groundsmen. <laughs> like, oh like, no, yeah. And that's what I mean. And then I think he named the team on the I think the game was on the Sunday, wasn't it? That's so I think right, he named well, the team yeah. on the Friday. And he, he named me in it and like put Alfie on the bench, who was like top goal scorer. And I was thinking, like, this isn't going to go down well again because he was still doing the one up front, mm -hmm. like with Bells playing off me. Yeah. And I was just thinking, wow. Like, and I went home and Mrs. was like, what? He's playing you. She was like, oh, no pressure and all that. And then I just <laughs> kind of thought, well, I'm prob I'm out of contract. I'm probably leaving Bolton after yeah. this game. And I think I, men I mentioned on Under the Cosh, in one of the home games leading up to that game, I'd come out the little players' entrance at Bolton walking past, like near the little statue yeah yeah and this car full of lads had gone past like wilbraham you shit and all that <laughs> and I, you remember this yeah yeah from yeah. And, I, and then obviously <laughs> and I, I had to like when you talk about adversity like when the team was getting read out before the game i could hear the groans when my name was being read out <gasps> and stuff so you i think yourself like but i had a feeling i was gonna i've come out and said it before but i had a feeling i was gonna score the winner like i said mm. i said to my missus like i'm gonna I'm gonna score a winner today, and if I do, the top's coming off because I've been because I wasn't playing. I've been doing loads of gym, so I was <laughs> to top, the top coming off. And she was like, "Don't take your top off. You're 38 years of age." <laughs> <laughs> and then I just remember, like, to be fair, like when we said I missed, I had a disallowed goal. I hit the post. I headed one over. I was I was getting closer, and I remember it was nil nil at half time. And I'm, I've said this on Under the Cosh when I was on there, but I remember going into the toilets and kind of, I'm not, and I'm not like a massive religious guy or anything, but I'd lost my dad in the past and my, my nana. And I just remember like washing my face in the sink in the change rooms. And I was like, dad, nana, I need you. Come on. I need a goal. Come on. I remember, and I said it out loud while I was in there. It was only me in there. And then second half, even when we went 2-1 down and it was like, I was just thinking, no, nah, it's not over. It's not over. And even when Wheats got the equaliser, I was thinking, no, nah, it's not. And I just had that belief. And then, then I played with Alfie. I played with Alfie at Stockport. Yeah. I remember the big kick from Mark Howard, Carl Henry flicking yeah. it on. And mm -hmm. as Alfie went on to that, I thought, I know Alfie's type of crosses. And I've watched a goal that many times that I know every bit to it. But the Nottingham Forest defender is actually out of position. And he sprints back inside me and checks that he's got me. 
And then as he looks back at the ball, I just take a gamble on getting back yeah, across him. And luckily, luckily, the ball comes there and it just seemed to take an age to come over. And I knew I'd gone past the front post, so I had to angle it. And it, it seemed to take ages to get to me, but even longer once I'd edited it to right. roll in that post. And I was like in a heap on the floor. And then it was just trying to... And then I'd, it looked like I'd done too much, Jim, because I couldn't get my top off. And Sammy, I'm the only <laughs> <laughs> I'm like batting him away, saying, no, I'm taking my top off. But, and it was just, and Weeks just runs off doing his mad celebration. And it was just, it was just the best feeling in the world. Uh, because we all expected, like, we were going to go down. Yeah, yeah. We had the belief, but because we needed to rely on other results. And I just remember at the end of the for that that next, I don't how long was left about four minutes plus in that oh. two minutes plus injury time. It seemed to take forever, mm. and it was red hot. It was a red hot day. One, red hot. Yeah, I remember yeah. looking. I remember when the final whistle went. I looked over at the bench to try and get some indication. Like, have we done it? Like, and you could see like people were still confused and asking the question. And then as I looked round, there was about five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> And that's when I realised, and then next minute I was up on everyone's shoulders, and I just remember asking everyone for a drink. Has anyone got a drink? I was just yeah. like, <laughs> drinking some random person's bottle of water. But, uh, I remember when, is, when I got your number the other week, and I added you on WhatsApp. And obviously, when you when you yeah. when you create a contact, it pops a picture up. Yeah, and it it's and still it, there. He's still there, that picture where you held a lock with your shirt off. I thought, he's not yeah. still milking that, is he? Come on. <laughs> That's been there since 
you need to beat them for us or or we could go down. So they were they were in every day, training every day. And like when they were trying so hard on the pitch, I was like, fucking hell, Tom, oh, come on, mate. We need to win. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they, they were try- you can see the disappointment in them when, when the goal goes in. Yeah. You can see like like I think it's Fox going mad at the mark, lad who's marking me, the keeper volleys the ball away. You can see the fuming. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the Forest fans were giving it the big one just before, weren't they? Like going yeah. down, going and all that. So yeah. I was just, I was just buzzing. It was just like madness. And then what went on afterwards? I mean, I, I hammered Phil Parkinson a little bit on the under the cosh, but it was, it wasn't sour grapes. But like all the lads were kind of like in the dressing room afterwards, going, "Oh, Gaffer, got Albie's got to get another year now." And he's yeah. like, "Oh, it's already being spoke about in there, like putting at the boardroom and stuff." And then. <laughs> I think it went on all summer. They, they it came out that they were releasing like seven or eight lads. I think Derek and like Pratt's and everybody was going. And then I was never in that list, so I was thinking, oh, I must be getting something. And then I remember Phil Parkinson asked to meet me, and it wasn't until June the sixth. So like players were getting fixed up with other clubs and stuff, and because they'd left it nearly a month, I was thinking I must have yeah. something. I said to the missus like it might be reduced because I'm turning thirty nine in October, but I'll be buzzing to stay there. And then he kind of just met me and said, uh, I'll be trying to get hold of the chairman all summer, but he's just sat on his boat ignoring my calls. So I think it's best if we just uh, shake hands and say all the best. And I was like, a bit like, you're taking a piss, guy. I was like, it's June the 6th. Like, and I just said, like, if I was a manager and had someone like me last season who had, even though I went in the team, never been a bad egg, always kept good around the lads, kept myself fit. And then on that last week where you're going... You need to save everyone's jobs. You need to do this. You need to. I just, if I'd have had a lad who'd done that for me and scored that goal, he'd have, my, he'd have been my first priority to get him another year, whether it's on reduced money, just to look mm-hmm. after him because of what mm-hmm. he did and the adversity and stuff. And I just said, I felt, and I said it to him, and I said, I just feel like you, you haven't, but like you haven't fought my corner enough. And he was like, No, no, I haven't. I said, You haven't, you haven't. And I walked out the room a bit miffed with him. And then I just put in the group chat to the lads and they they couldn't believe it. They were like, what? And I was like, yeah, is, I'm, I'm leaving, lads. Like the gaffer's just said, like, all the best kind of thing. And then, to be fair to Phil Parkinson, he wished me all the... Like, when he seen that I signed for Rochdale, the day before the first game of the season, he texted me saying, like, all the best for the season and stuff. I don't know if I replied. But then I saw him... I saw him at, um, I saw him at a Stephen Derby um, fundraising thing yeah. a couple of months ago. And I had a good chat with him, to be fair, and and yeah, Steve yeah, Park yeah. and stuff. And now uh, they're doing well at Wrexham, and I wish them all the best. And, and it was just, I was just disappointed. It wasn't. I knew it was out of his control. And then looking what happened the next season with Ken Anderson and the way it went, obviously that he probably was telling the truth about it. So I thought, mm-hmm. fair play. You've had some. Pretty, you've, you've had some pretty unique. I'm seeing a trend here with football owners during yeah. your career and the clubs you've been at, you've had some pretty um, pretty unique ones, haven't you? Obviously, Ken Anderson being one. Yeah. Norwich, with, I imagine Delia was obviously was Delia around. Smith, yeah. And then yeah, Parish Pete, at Palace. And, yeah. Pete Wynn coming at MK Dons. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, yeah, I've had, yeah, I've had, I've had my fair share. I've had, I think I had... I think I had 21 managers in the 23 or 24 years as well. So... I'd be fair share of managers. <laughs> I think Speaking more, of managers, uh, and in particular Parky at Wrexham, we had a comment popped in before 
uh, Liam has asked uh, if you've seen the documentary uh, that's obviously on, on Disney, is Parky actually that way in the dressing room or is there a little bit of playing up to the cameras? Because I know when I was watching it, I couldn't picture the same Phil Parkinson that was sat on the sideline that was giving it what for in the dressing room. The two people didn't seem to match up. Yeah, to be fair, I haven't seen it, but I've been told it's good. I've been told it's a good watch, to be fair. But no, he's, he's a good guy, Phil Parkinson and Steve Parkin. They're, they're good guys. And I like, have nothing bad to say about him. It was just that situation I didn't like. I just thought I would have been looked after a little bit better. But I understand that it's football. And I think they're really, I think they're both good guys, to be fair. Um, and like, I wish them all the best at Rexham, to be fair. I hope they do well again. It's like, I guess it goes back to what you said. It's hindsight as well, anyway, with your situation, because obviously what went on afterwards, there have been elements of it probably out of his control, wouldn't there? Yeah, definitely. And you could that that made me realise really the following season. I was I was because like I remember being at Rochdale and the CEO at Rochdale was, oh, have you seen the Bolton lads haven't been paid and stuff? We we've never not played our paid our players in twenty odd years and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I remember. It, it seemed to be, and I was obviously still in touch with the players. I was obviously good friends with Mark Little from being at Bristol City of him, and he was filling me in on everything, what was going on. I mean, I always had a laugh about the fact that I never got my goal bonus for that goal, but they took the... <laughs> this but This is a bit tongue-in-cheek. It's not... Oh. I, at the end of May, at the end of May when I got my wage slip, it had the... Uh, Eight pound administration fee that you get fined for getting a yellow cards because obviously I took my shirt off, I got yellow card, yeah. but I didn't have my goal bonus, so I was like, gosh, when I'd been released as well. But I think I got it, that was down to the lads not getting the bonus on time. I think I ended up getting it in like August or something, so I did get it, but it was just a bit of a laugh the fact that I got me fine to call for the yellow card, but not my goal for that goal. So it's funny. <laughs> What, yeah. I'm, going to ask, I'm going to ask you another off-topic uh, question, Aaron. Um, Five-a-side team from your Bolton era, who'd be in it? Uh, definitely Vels, because he can run all day, stick a tackle in. Good, good one to have in your team, Vels. Um, I think Darren Prattley was a good leader. Good talker, good encouraging, kept everyone together. So I like Pete. I'd like people like that in the team. I heard Wheat say Sammy Amiobi was a good trainer and he would be a good five-a-side player if you're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, one more, and he'd include. I've got to include myself, haven't I? Yeah. You're obviously not a striker because you can't really have strikes in five-a-side. Yeah. You'd have to be. Yeah. I'd have to, have, I'd have to have Wheat. I'd have to have Wheat at the back one. So Wheat's. Probably Wheats and uh, Pratt's at the back. We'll have to have a keeper as well, I suppose, but uh, Wheats and Pratt's. Um, and then Sammy and Bell's behind me. There you go. Flying keepers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> flying keepers. Thick Wheats in. <laughs> um, obviously, in terms of the the moment afterwards, you, you there was a tattoo materialised, yeah. weren't there? Yeah. On Mark yeah, that was but... funny. I just remember you... I, I had obviously millions of messages after the game, and my little brother had said, Oh, I messaged this lad on Twitter who said, If Wilbraham scores the goal to keep us up, I'll get a tattoo. And he said, I've messaged him saying, Fucking come on then, come on then. <laughs> so my little brother, my little brother had kind of stuck it on him a bit. And then all of a sudden, I was getting loads of messages, and I was going to Vegas 
with the, with the Bristol City group still. And while I was over there, I got contacted off the Bolton media team to say that the lad was going through with the tattoo and Sky Sports were going to turn up. And could I turn up um, at the tattoo parlour and surprise him? And I said, I can do. When's it happening? And he said, Tuesday morning about 10.30. But I landed from Vegas at like 9.20 and I'd been steaming for like five nights. <laughs> but like, if you look, if you see any of the pictures with me with him, I'm like, my eyes are all over the place. I literally, everyone was dying on the plane just wanting to go to bed and I had to like come home and go straight to Bolton and I was nearly falling asleep at the wheel. But it was quite funny to walk in Dave's tattoo parlour and like oh, surprise him. Right, yeah. like, he was a bit wary when he seen me as well, like I was going to chin him yeah. or something. You know, like, <laughs> and I, I was just like, ah, oh, careful what you tweet, mate. But yeah, the size of the tattoo is like massive on his calf. I've seen it. He was at that dude that we were at one, one that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we're yeah. doing Jaegers. Uh, but <laughs> I, he was... He's no, nah, he's a, he's an all right lad. Like his missus is just always shaking her head when I, if he's still <laughs> like whenever I've seen him with her, like she's just like shaking her head. Like and I've had tattoos next to it and all that, but I've seen not tattoos. I've had pictures next to the tattoos. Sorry, but I've seen a few like that that summer. Lit, Smart Little actually got Wilbraham eighty eight tattooed on his thigh in Vegas on that Vegas trip. He got a uh, Wilbraham eighty eight. Because he got he got another year on the same money he was on rather than getting reduced money. So I got everyone else. I got Wings oh. another year on the same money. So I saved everyone else's and then I got released. But yeah, Lit's got Lit's got a tattoo as well, to be fair, bless him. But I've seen a few Wilbraham 88 tattoos knocking about as well. Which I never thought anyone would have a tattoo of me, I think. Well, that's what that. I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. When you were a young kid at, at Stockport, obviously you'd never you'd never think that, would you? Christ. Nah, nah. <laughs> it's just Barmy for me, but no, it's funny. Good banner, fair play to him following it through. Oh, yeah, dead right. Yeah. And so he's, 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 I was gonna say, his missus has to look at a picture of you every night now, though, when, when, when they go to bed. <laughs> it's not ideal, is it? Yeah. Well, it's on his calf, so, so it's good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so, you've obviously you've finished your playing career at Rochdale. Um, yeah. And then what looks to us as a pretty big move into coaching at Shrewsbury. So yeah. how did that come about? Yeah, so lockdown happened and lock, lockdown kind of retired me because I was still playing. I think I played I played 90 minutes against Rotherham for Rochdale and we beat them 3-1. And I think if we wouldn't have won that game, because it went on points per game, didn't it, in the end? I think if, if we wouldn't have won that game... Yeah, yeah. We would have got relegated and Tranmere would have stayed up. So it was a big win. Uh, and they were top of the league, Rob, and they ended up going up on the points per game ratio thing. Um, and we weren't to know that was going to be the last game. Obviously, lockdown retired me. And I was I was still training throughout lockdown, thinking I'll get another club, turn 41, thinking, come on. And then as it opened back up, they just a lot of clubs were just going for like younger lads out of the conference and sharing the money what they'd give to someone like me between two players and I understood it and then just as I was deciding what I might do in the new year Steve Cottrell got the Shrewsbury job at the end of November and offered me he said like I know you've had no coaching experience but I trust you on this side of it with me and I want you to be my assistant manager and everybody was like you'd be stupid to turn an assistant manager's job in league one down straight from playing no brainer so yeah went went in there was only in there like 18 days 
and then the gaffer got COVID and ended up in intensive care and was in hospital for four months. It was probably the best thing that happened to me. Obviously, it was horrible for the gaffer, but I got thrown in at the deep end, bang in the middle of a transfer window, first game against Southampton in the FA, and it was just the maddest feeling ever to just take charge of the whole team. And he was in hospital for four months. He only came out for like, he went in on like New Year's Day, and I don't think he came out till May for the last two games of the season. And I never felt any pressure while he was away. He did so much from his hospital bed, to be fair to him. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd like screenshots of A4 pieces of paper with like what to do in training and guidance. It was like money heights, you know, when the professor's like guiding, like, <laughs> guiding, like doing that from his hospital bed. But he was, he, he, I, when he was in intensive care, because he was in intensive care twice and he'd be like texting me going, has the gym floor been cleaned? And I was thinking, <laughs> why are you bothered about the gym floor being clean? Like when you're in, but he's so like particular and wants all the standards to be that high. And because he knew he'd ask, the gym floor was a bit grubby and he'd ask for it to be steam clean. He was checking if it, I was thinking like, you're off your head. <laughs> when we went in there, they had nine points. We ended up on 57 points. It was like a massive wow. achievement. He used to do like the team talks through the Bluetooth speaker in the dressing room and, I had AirPods in on the side of the pitch. And it was just a mad... When I look back at it now, it's like COVID though, isn't it? You look back at it like it was a bad dream, but that was just yeah, a yeah. Mad, mad, mad experience. And when he came back out for them last two games, as he walked in and everyone was walking up with him a hug, I just felt like a massive relief. Like, and I'd not felt pressure while he was away, but it was kind of like, oh, back over to you, mate. Do you know what I mean? It was just like... I enjoyed it and it was really interesting and had some like unique experience, like things that happened with players and it was it was good. But and I've I've enjoyed it. Obviously, we've left we've left now. Um, the gaffer left in May and then I was mm. kind of waiting to hear what had happened with me. And I've I'd left at the start of July because usually when the manager goes, the assistant goes as well. But yeah. we had a good season last year. It was like the highest, it was yeah. second highest finish in 34 years. Finished 12th. We were flirting with the playoffs around January. So it was a good season. It just not didn't work out. Gaffer decided he wanted to go. And usually must, when that happened, just yeah. follows. So it must be really hard for like a club like Shrewsbury, with all due respect to them, when you've yeah. got such massive football clubs at the top end of League One, like in terms of fan base, you know, you know reputation, yeah. expectation, and then it's obviously Shrewsbury to compete with that. It must be really, really difficult. Yeah, no, it is. And you get, and the, the budgets at some of the, some of the clubs, like some of the money that are getting paid by like Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, people are like, it's massive. And mm. it is hard to compete, but you still want to think that you can because like the gaffers used to win and I'm used to winning and it's like, I think it's probably the manage, It's probably the lowest that Steve Cottrell has managed as well. Okay. So there's a bit of frustration there for him because he used to be in at like bigger clubs. But yeah. I think we did a good job. When you look at the team we inherited, I think there was 20, 29 pros in there when we went in there. And I think there's only one left out of the 29 when we went in. And from the 28 who've gone, they've either gone like lower leagues or relegated or retired Right. The average age came right down, which I was never a ageist type of person because obviously I played till I was. I think the gaffer did a really good job for Shrewsbury Town, and I think I think everyone appreciates that. But it just 
didn't work out towards the end and that's football but yeah at the moment I'm kind of just enjoying a, a little bit of a break I've I've been dictated to by football for 27 years since mm -hmm. I left school and was expecting to go back at the start of July I haven't ended up doing so I've had like two weeks at home just kind of not driving my missus mad because she's still going out to work and stuff. But now I'm, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying a bit of a break, to be fair. I'm quite, I'm, I'm not missing it too much. It's been, it's a bit like, Maybe it's life. been a bit yeah. of a mad 27 years, yeah. yeah and I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying the time, just getting into a few different things and stuff. Has that boredom contributed to the change of hairstyle then? Got a bit bored, <laughs> going back to him, get. Get the big no, to be fair, I've had this over a year now. I did this. Oh, really? I this, yeah. yeah, I did this. I, I turned up at the airport to go to Valencia with the Shrewsbury lads this time last pre-season and surprised them all because I just didn't fancy going into 40 degrees heat, shaking the <laughs> air fibers on every day and diving in the pool and the sea and it being all over my head like it was when I scored that goal. So I just whipped it all off. Uh, me and the goalkeeping coach, uh, Brian Jensen did it, and we just turned up at the airport like Phil and Grab Mitchell. And all, <laughs> all the boys, all the boys were like, "Albert actually suits you, mate. You should have done it like you should have done it earlier." But now nah, it's much less maintenance, as you yeah. know, mate. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, no. And yeah, it's, it, uh, I've got an all right shape, Ted. So yeah, strong beard, so I can get away with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting. There's a lot of envy going on from from this corner of the podcast in terms of beard and. There's a bit of just for men in there. Uh, yeah, is that the secret? Right, okay. Because otherwise, it's about six different colours. It's like grey, blonde, brown. Yeah. That's where I'm at. What's your, um, what's your poison then? What's your, what's your colour? Medium brown. Say <laughs> that again. Oh, oh, medium brown. Medium brown. I started off on light brown and then it wasn't really doing the job. You can still see a bit of grey, so... Just for men. Five minutes. Wash it <laughs> off in the shower. Wash. Done. Right. Well, Aaron, can I ask you a quick question before you shoot? Um, yeah. Just football, football related. Obviously, you've you've come up against Bolton in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. What's your thoughts on us for the forthcoming season? What are your thoughts on the way we the way we think going about things and all that type of stuff? Yeah. No, I think Bolton plays some really good football. I think Ian Everett's a good manager. Always come across well in the office after games when we spoke with our staff. I know Matty Barris, the physio, well, anyway, he's like a bit of a family friend and I know he's got the medical department class, probably the best physio I ever had, so that's all in good hands at Bolton. Uh, but yeah, Ian Everett and his coaching staff always seem like good people and seem like they're good with the players. I'm close with Aaron Morley because I was with him at Rochdale yeah. and he's another kind of... We've got my wife's family are quite close with his mum and dad and stuff, so I know Aaron anyway. Uh, I was close with MJ Williams. Obviously, he's gone to MK now. Yeah, uh, but MJ's a great lad as well, and always spoke highly of. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get him on. Have a word. Yeah, yeah, I'll message him and... yeah. yeah, have a word for us. I'll have a word, but I got um, the I, I got invited into Liverpool last week because I know the fitness coach for their 21s. And I was chatting to Connor, is it Connor Randall? Connor Bradley. Bradley. Connor Bradley, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Con Connor Bradley, and he was, I was asking him if he enjoyed it at Bolton, and he loved it. He had a good season, didn't he? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good, he's a good character as well. Yeah. 
was having a good I was having a good chat with him and he had a he had a bit of banter with talking about Aaron and MJ and stuff. But he he thought Ian Everett was good and he he, he enjoyed it. So that was interesting to get his take on it as well. But now I think I think you're like well equipped to have another I haven't seen any new signings. Have you have you have you made many new signings? It's a sore subject this Aaron. You've, you've we have made some signings. Right. The problem, Aaron, this season, this coming season, is the expectation levels have increased, you see. So naturally, the fans are expecting more of, of, of the players and they're expecting more players to come through the door and we've not quite got as many as, as we would hope, I don't think, but yeah. I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah, I think League One's definitely going to be a little bit weaker this year than it has been over the last couple of years with the teams that have gone up and the budgets that have gone up but also like Forest Green had a good budget but didn't do it and went down MK is a good club went down mm. and the teams that have come up probably aren't as strong as them and the teams that have come down from obviously the championship we're going to have got the deduction and stuff like that yeah. so I think it's definitely a little bit weaker, so that's probably what's made the expectation go up a little bit as well. But I do think, obviously, Bolton have got a good chance of doing something, and obviously they were unlucky last season. Yeah, what's um, what's Aaron, what's Aaron Morley's ceiling? And how, how I can how I can he go in your yeah, he's opinion? yeah, he's he's an unbelievable player, Aaron. He's got his range of passing, and he doesn't seem like. He's the most athletic, Aaron, because he's always in the right place. He's a bit like Scholes. You've never seen Scott, Paul Scholes sprinting around everywhere because he was just always available, always spotted his next pass. And he's one step ahead with his... With his, uh, with his but he was always a class actor and everyone at Rochdale thought a lot of him. Everybody who signed for Rochdale was always impressed by him. And it reminds me of when people used to come on loan to Bristol City and see Bobby Reid. And now Bobby Reid's playing in the Premier every week for Fulham and stuff. And Aaron's definitely got the capabilities to play at a higher level, definitely. And he's he's a he's a really good player, great lad as well. Good to know. Absolutely. Yeah, um, but just before we close off, we have a, a bit of a tradition with the guests on here. Um, and it's the the last guest basically leaves a question for the next one. Um, so our previous guest was Elias Kachunga, obviously play for Bolton and was released this year and come to the end of his contract. Um, and, and he's asked, what was the best advice that you've ever been given and who is it from? So that could be in your personal life, in your footballing career. But what was the best bit of advice you've ever, ever had? So let me show you something else, but it might read backwards. But this was one of my mum's quotes before she passed away with cancer just after, just before lockdown. But she said, if you're still breathing and you wake up in the morning, I think get on with it. Can you read what, what, that? Sorry, what was the last bit? What was the last so bit? So it says, if you're still breathing and you wake up in the morning, I think get on with it. Get on with it. Roll your sleeves up. Right. Right. I was being a bit, yeah. So I'd have to say that from my mum because she had that kind of fearless attitude where no matter how ill she was, she just got on with it. And I think she brought me up with that attitude. I think the advice, I think I took a lot of morals from my mum and the fact that I'd never, if I was out the team or 
I pride myself with it. So if I was at the team and not happy, no mm. one would know that I wasn't happy. Like none of the lads would know. I would never be a bad egg in the dressing room and slag the manager off. But I might come home to the missus and moan about things, but I wouldn't <laughs> ever let it be seen visible in the mm. changing room when I stayed. Because next minute, you'll be in the team and you'll be expecting the lads who aren't to be backing you and supporting you. So yeah. I think that's... That stems from a mum's kind of advice. So I'd say it was little things from a mum like that which made me stay grounded and like, and stayed with a good attitude, which definitely helped me losing my dad at an early age. I think I lost I lost my dad three months before my career started and my mum three months before it ended. So I had that kind of stuff to deal with as well, which I think makes you stronger in yeah, those type of... When you get the Bolton fans going past saying, Wilbram, I think you can deal with stuff like that because you've dealt with a lot more kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So have I got to think of a question for the next guest now? You do indeed, yes. Uh, you I'm... can go away and have a think about it. We don't need it now. If you've yeah, got okay. one. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll think, I'll think of a good one then. I'll let you know. I'll text Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, for share, thanks for sharing that quote with us, well, Aaron. That, that's massively yeah. appreciated. Yeah, no, so it's just, it's just sat there next to me and I thought, well, yeah, that's... Perfect, that's a, yeah. She's a, she's actually got another she's actually got another one on the other wall which reads and this was like this was this kind of sums her up but when me and my sister walked into the hospital and she got diagnosed she I've got another one above the other window and it says she came out and sat in the car and literally went I don't want to see any sad faces you don't fight anything moping about and it was just like that's the kind of attitude she has so I've got both them quotes above the bar windows just to bring it to life a little that's bit well that's the kind of attitude she put into me which is why I think I probably kept going till I was 40 and even with the, I had two back operations a hip operation two ankle operations just kept going like she did so I think and yeah no problem for sharing it obviously no problem at all sounds, sounds as if your mother had a, an elite mentality Aaron yeah, yeah no she did no definitely definitely love that yeah, fantastically put. We uh, we couldn't have asked for anything better, I don't think. But I'd just like to finish off by saying once again, thanks very much for joining us. We really yeah. appreciate you taking yeah. our time. No problem. To come and chat with us. Thanks, Albert. Yeah, no absolutely fantastic. Uh, thank you all for watching. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, as I said before, thanks to the sponsors. Uh, head over to our new website to find out more about those. Uh, and if you are listening back on Spotify and want to get involved in the live episode, then head over to our Twitter and all the information's on there for when the next episodes are. But thank you all for watching, as always, and we will catch you in the next one. Take care. Cheers. Cheers, guys.